T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC FM, and WTIC.com. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning. Summer is nearly upon us, so we thought it would be a good idea to invite Dr. Kevin Borup back to talk summertime safety. He is the Associate Director of the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's start with a little about the IPC at CCMC. What is it all about? Well, the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center is dedicated to uh, promoting safety statewide and keeping kids safe and injury-free. And we conduct research, uh, a lot of community outreach. We also do education and training of students. And, and then finally, we do some public policy work. Summertime, the kids are out of school, so they have more free time and they are more apt to run into maybe some some hazards. What are some of the common summertime hazards? Well, I think the first thing that we have to think about, both as, as adults who are driving in cars, is just that as the weather gets warmer, more kids are out and about on the streets, they're in the roads, they're on the side of the road, uh, and we have to be aware of as adults, as we're driving through residential neighborhoods, to really slow down uh, and, and watch out for, for young people. Now, now, kids, what they have to be really aware of is that, you know, just because they can see a car, it, it might not see them. Uh, and uh, they have to ensure that they're always visible, whether they're crossing a road or riding their bike. Make sure they're very visible to cars. That's a perfect tie-in to the Watch For Me CT campaign, which is something the IPC is involved with along with the state DOT. That's right. So the Watch For Me CT campaign is a statewide campaign with the Department of Transportation as a result of an increase in pedestrian deaths in the state of Connecticut. So right now there's a real focus on uh, trying to educate the public on what they can do both to protect pedestrians and as a pedestrian to protect yourself so that we can get those numbers back down. How big an increase are we talking about and what might be behind it? Well, in the past couple of years, you're seeing an additional uh, 10 to 20 deaths uh, of pedestrians. You have to think maybe distracted driving, something like that might be at play? Well, Aaron, it's great that you brought that up because a lot of people are looking at this issue. That's what they're looking to see. Is it distraction? Uh, you have distraction of drivers and pedestrians. And, and we believe that when you have both a distracted driver and a distracted pedestrian, that uh, bad things happen. You make a good point. You you think about distraction behind the wheel, but more and more often you see people walking down the streets not paying attention to where they are going because they have a smartphone or some other device. Right. They have a smartphone. They're looking down for directions. They're looking down for the latest email. And many times they also have earbuds in their ears. So not only can't they see what's happening because they're not looking, but they can't hear the noises around them. Also in the summertime, we unfortunately seem to always hear about children being left alone in hot vehicles. 
What do people need to know about that? Well, I think what people have to be aware of, one, it is thankfully a rare event, but when it happens, it's absolutely uh, tragic uh, and it is avoidable. Uh, parents should never leave a child unattended in a motor vehicle. Even if you're running into the store for that split second, unbuckle your child from the car seat or the seatbelt and bring them with you. Uh, cars can heat up incredibly quickly. Even with a uh, cracked window, cars can get as hot as 125 degrees in just a few minutes. So look before you lock because sometimes it's not intentional. That's right. Look before you lock. And the statewide campaign we have, uh, you'll see it on buses, you'll see it uh, uh, on digital ads, on the internet, just to raise awareness around look before you lock. Uh, make sure that uh, you haven't left a child unintentionally in the car or, or on purpose. Uh, the other thing I, I want to point out is that, uh, you know, sometimes in the summer, uh, you have your kids in the house, young kids, and, and they go missing for a few minutes. Uh, it's really important that if you lose track of a child, not only look around the house, but it, it, send someone to look in the cars in the driveway. If you have a pool, of course, send them to look in the pool, but also the cars. And if you have cars parked in your driveway, please lock them because young children are very curious about cars. And if they're outside, they'll go into the vehicles, get inside, close the door, and many times uh, be unable to get out of the vehicle. If you encounter a child in a vehicle, say in a shopping center parking lot or something, what should you do? Well, if you if you see a, a child in a car and they look to be in distress or non-responsive, uh, obviously call the police, but take what measures you think you need to take to get the child out of that vehicle. And if that means breaking a window, then do that. And that can be a true emergency, absolutely. That's right. You talked about children going missing in the summertime, maybe out and about in the yard or anything. There are also a lot of dangers when it comes to water. If you have a pool in the backyard, if you're going to a swimming area, you have to pay a particular attention to kids around water. That's right. Kids are attracted to water. Kids love water. So if, if you're around a body of water or if you have a pool, supervision is key. If you have that summer backyard party, uh, what we tell adults is to make sure that one adult is the water watcher, that they're in charge of watching the kids in the pool. And what you can do is agree. You do it for 20 minutes, and then I'll relieve you, and I'll watch for 20 minutes. And what that means is you're an active water watcher. You're not on your phone. Again, we go back to the phone issue. You're not on your phone, and you don't have your back to the pool talking to other guests, but you're actively watching the water, do your shift for 20 minutes, and then hand off to another adult at the, uh, at the backyard party. What's the best way to convey the message that, yes, playing in the water can be fun, but can, it also can be a danger? Well, I think the most important thing is that uh, when a child hits the age of four, they're really developmentally ready for swim lessons. And the summer's coming up. If you need something for your kids to do, uh, contact your, your town, uh, contact uh, uh, a boys and girls club, a, a, a YMCA, and, and get them swimming lessons. That's probably the best thing you can do. Uh, for your children, educate them about the water and get them to learn how to swim. And if they can't swim, don't rely on a flotation device and think that is going to be something that uh, keeps them afloat. That's right. But we do recommend whether you're near a natural body of water like a lake, a pond, or the ocean, or a pool, and you have young children, have them wear an approved life vest all the time around water. You mentioned one thing before we started the program that I'm glad you did because I wouldn't bring it up otherwise, but lawnmowers. A lot of kids in the summertime make a few extra bucks by 
mowing their lawn or their neighbor's lawn. What are some of the dangers associated with that? Well, each year, unfortunately, as a level one trauma center, we do see uh, uh, children come into the, our emergency department with injuries as a result of uh, a lawnmower. Uh, so we do have some recommendations. And first of all, uh, the general recommendation is that children should be 12 years old for a walk behind mower. And those riding mowers are fun, but we don't recommend them until someone is 16 years or older. Okay. And now adults have a real responsibility here to teach children how to use a lawnmower and to supervise them when it's in use. Um, no passengers, right? Wear closed-toed shoes. A good pair of boots is probably best. And then hearing protection and, and safety glasses for kids. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, if, and if you ever mowed your lawn as a kid, you know that that uh, chute gets clogged up with, uh, with grass. And what you don't want to do is to reach your hand in there to, to clear the grass from the chute. So the lawnmower should be turned off, and then you should use something like a stick to get that uh, grass out and not your hand. And again, this should be done with adult supervision. As uh, you approach summer and the 4th of July, you start seeing the, the fireworks, tents pop up around Connecticut. Technically, only sparklers are legal. And after this legislative session, it is going to remain that way. That's right. Um, I, I, I think that many people are happy that uh, the proposed law did not go forward because it really would have opened up the kinds of fireworks that you would have been able to use. And right now, Connecticut, you can, you can have sparklers, and there are all sorts of different kinds. I think the one people are most familiar with are, is the stick that sparks, and uh, you have that bright light. Well, what people don't know is that sparkler is incredibly hot. It's up to 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit or hotter. It's hot enough to melt gold. You do not want that sparkler going in an eye, on an arm, or on clothing. So again, with fireworks, although they can be a, a fun way to in, enjoy uh, the summer, always with supervision, children should not be lighting fireworks, and it should always be done by an adult. The legislation that uh, did not pass this year would have expanded Connecticut's fireworks law to include consumer-grade fireworks that could fly through the air in some cases instead of just uh, a fountain or a sparkler. Did that surprise you that that even came up? And what was the opposition like uh, once uh, word got around that it, it was out there? Well, as I looked at it, I was happy to see that uh, police and fire were all against uh, any kind of change in the law that would have allowed those. In addition, something we don't think about are veterans groups. And a lot of veterans groups also came out against the uh, the fireworks, uh, the change in the fireworks law. I mean, it can be very uh, disconcerting to people to hear those loud explosions as we hear through the summer in different neighborhoods. And for many vets, this can be, a, you know, really a traumatic experience to have fireworks going on all over the place. In reality, even though they are not legal in Connecticut, they are are brought in from other states. So what do people need to know as we approach the 4th of July about, uh, you know, keeping yourself safe and, and maybe avoiding those amateur backyard fireworks displays? That's right. We, we absolutely advocate that you avoid the amateur displays with illegal fireworks and go to a municipal display that's being put on. Many of our larger cities in Connecticut have magnificent fireworks displays, as do some of the smaller towns. So go to one of those. They're fantastic. For the sparklers and fountains that are legal, any 
particular precautions in, in terms of uh, staying a certain number of feet away if you're a child or having water nearby, anything like that? Right. So if you are having one of these backyard displays with the sparklers that we have here, have a bucket of water on standby. Only have an adult lighting fireworks. Make sure you're far away from any structure and 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 keep the kids way back, you know, as far back as you can from the uh, from the display that you're putting on. And again, only adults should be lighting it. Uh, and of course, if there's a dud or anything else, you never pick it up again. And uh, if you're going to be uh, throwing away used fireworks, make sure you soak them well in water before you uh, throw them away in the trash. Speaking of legislation that did not pass muster this year, a proposal that would have expanded Connecticut's seatbelt law to include adults sitting in the back seat. And we already understand from DOT that they're going to try again next year. That's right. You know, I almost hate to bring it up, Aaron, because I think most people already believe it's the law that if you're an adult sitting in the back seat that you have to be buckled up. But it's not. So we know that kids in the back, they have to be appropriately restrained. But if you're an adult in the back, the law in Connecticut says you only have to buckle up if you're in the front two seats. Uh, so we would like to see, of course, a Connecticut uh, move ahead and ensure that everyone is restrained. Uh, right now, if, if you are an adult and you're in the car with a teen driver, it doesn't matter what position you're in. It's already the law that you have to be buckled up. So the one exception there would be if you're in the car with a teen driver and you're an adult and you are in those back seats, you must be buckled up. The thinking behind the law that's on the books is that people are more protected in the back seat. But as more research has been conducted, what have experts found? Well, the, the big finding is that anything not restrained in your vehicle becomes a projectile uh, when there's a crash. And so if you have an adult behind you unrestrained, the full force of their body is going to impact against your seat. And if you're the driver, you do not want an unrestrained adult sitting immediately behind you. It can cause uh, absolutely catastrophic injuries. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Dr. Kevin Borup. He is the Associate Director of the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford. We are entering what some refer to as the deadliest hundred days of summer with teen drivers out on the roads. Connecticut has a fairly successful set of laws restricting certain activities by teen drivers. Why don't you you recap what teen drivers can and cannot do and why the risk has increased as you enter the summer months? Well, in the summer months, the biggest reason for the increase in risk is more ma miles traveled. People get in their cars, they're driving farther, they're driving longer, they have more opportunity to drive. So it's greater exposure to the risks that are out there. Now, back in 2008, Connecticut did a great thing. They passed a major revision to the teen driving laws that put in certain uh, restrictions on, on teens, as an example. And really, it's not a restriction, but more of when we think about what we call the graduated driver licensing law, it's a phasing in of the driving privilege. So when you first get your license and you're a teen, for that first six months, you have to drive in that vehicle alone or with your parents who can supervise your driving. In the next six months, you can have a sibling with you, but no other passengers for the first year. And that's because passengers are a great distraction and really increase your risk. Um, in addition, you have to be home by 11. In Connecticut, if you're a teen driver, 
you got to be home by 11. And again, it's because we found that the most dangerous time for teen drivers are from 9 p.m. onward to about 3 a.m. So uh, actually, I wish it was kind of earlier, but uh, that doesn't make me too popular, I guess, with teens. Uh, in addition, um, we have a, we have some really unique laws in Connecticut that mandate parent training. And during the, uh, during the teen driving course that uh, teens take, their parents are required to sit through a two-hour session to really educate them around teen driving and teen driving laws. Uh, the most important takeaways, I think, from, from that course are really the emphasis on managing your teen driver. Your job as a parent isn't done once you get your license, but your job continues as a parent in supervising that driving experience uh, to ensure that they're safe. And also setting a good example, I would think. Well, for any parent who's ever had a, a, a child in the back seat, uh, they will comment if you do anything wrong. So yet set a good example uh, in your car. Of course, always wear your seatbelt, uh, follow the rules of the road, um, and uh, you know watch your speed out there. Um, if you're a parent, you may have heard your kids in the back look and ask you how fast you're going because they can see the, uh, the speedometer. So control your speed, control your following distance, and you'll have a much safer summer. I've seen those teen driver parent safety contracts. Does IPC recommend that? Is that a good idea? We do. We don't recommend a particular teen driving safety con uh, contract, but it's been proven that if a, a parent and teen sit down, negotiate about what the rules are going to be, uh, set limits and set consequences, then that can be an effective measure uh, to reduce risk. Um, there are plenty of them out there if you do a Google search, but really whoever your insurance company is, most insurance companies have a teen driving contract that they can provide you with that you can use. And all of them are good. You don't even need one. You can sit down with a blank piece of paper and write up the rules because it's really that act of communicating with your teen, communicating expectations, and then following through on consequences if there's a violation. Is getting your license right when you're, you're 16 as popular as it once was? Well, I think from what we're seeing is that it's not quite the rite of passage that it once was. Um, you know, teens are far more connected right now with their peers than we ever were just sitting in their own homes. And so although teens are going to get their, their license at 16 or 17, um, what we found in, in speaking with parents and teens that there's not quite the urgency that there used to be. Going back to the idea of a graduated driver's license, there is a lot of research behind this, isn't there, in, in terms of when the human brain fully develops? That's right. A lot of the, um, the research around risk has shown that until your mid-20s, your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. And so this means you have a deficit in impulse control and risk assessment. Uh, and that's why uh, teens may make a different uh, decision in a driving situation versus an adult. This is also closely connected with teen driving, but the idea of underage drinking. I know it's been an issue with the, the concerts that, that happen in, in the North Meadows from time to time. That's something that um, you know state officials have been trying to, to, to quell, and I think IPC is, is kind of a provided a you know a supporting role in that right well um alcohol use is uh, a, a part of many injuries uh, you know it by drinking uh, uh reduces your ability to make sound judgments and so when we see uh people coming in for all sorts of injuries uh, one of the things you ask is has this person been drinking 
so if you want to stay out of the emergency department, uh, don't drink. And uh, for kids, they shouldn't be drinking at all. And if you have uh, uh, teens in your home as an adult, you should not allow them to be drinking. No adult in the state of Connecticut should be providing alcohol to teens. And in fact, there are laws on the books that, you know, provide penalties if you are a parent and even think, well, it's it's safe to, to host a drinking party because it's my house. It's a it's a safe environment. That's right. So in Connecticut, uh, it's against the law to do that. You cannot provide alcohol to a group of teens in your house. Plain and simple. Right. One of the other issues that, that comes up this time of year with you know the weather warming up and people opening the windows are window falls. The screen is not going to protect you. Right, and we see nationwide over 5,000 children uh, treated for window falls each year, and those are the kids who, who come in uh, to a hospital. It's probably not counting children who uh, don't even come in because uh, maybe they weren't hurt. But we recommend that uh, if you have young children especially, that uh, you have window guards or window stops. And uh, with young children, windows in their bedroom shouldn't open more than four inches. Uh, so you can make sure you uh, adjust your windows to do that. And many of them have built-in window guards on the sash that you can look for. Um, and if not, then any of the home stores also have uh, protective devices that they'll sell you that can, you can install in your windows. Now, the other thing that we see is that uh, in bedrooms especially, people put bureaus or other pieces of furniture up against the window, which makes it very easy for a child who maybe wants to see what's going on outside or wants to get that cool breeze to stand up on a piece of furniture, lean out the window, and then fall out the window. So don't put any furniture near a window. And for really young children, we have to remember that they are top-heavy compared to an adult. As adults, we're bottom-heavy. We're not going to topple over. But for young children, it's much easier for them to just topple over because of the way the weight distribution is. Two other related issues, drawstrings on blinds and furniture being secured to a wall, perhaps if it's top-heavy. Right. And, you know, one of the issues that's come up uh, are these giant flat-screen TVs. And many of these flat-screen TVs when you bring them home, you want to make sure they're either attached directly to the wall or if they're on a stand, that that's an incredibly sturdy stand uh, that's not going to shake. And uh, you may want to uh, attach the TV with a tether or some other device to the wall so that if a child reaches up and pulls on the TV, that's not going to fall over on top of them. And the drawstrings on, on blinds, too, can pose a, a, a choking risk. Right. This has been a really long uh, 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 thread in homes, which are the looped drawstrings on, uh, on blinds. And I think today you, you can't really buy those. But if you do happen to notice in your home that you have a, a looped drawstring for blinds, take a pair of scissors and, you know, cut that string into two different cords and not the ends. Um, you shouldn't have those, and especially in homes with young children, you have to be aware of that. We've been talking for the past 20 minutes or so about all these risks and dangers when it comes to kids in the summertime, but how do you balance that against being out of school and having fun? Well, I'd say go out and have fun. Get on your bike. Go walk to your friend's house. Um, parents, just be aware when you send your uh, your child out to go on their bike ride, make sure they're wearing that helmet 
and make sure they know the rules of the road. Uh, a cyclist has to follow all the same rules as a car on the road. And, and if you're in your neighborhood and they have sidewalks, uh, in most places, it's probably safest for a child to ride on the sidewalk. He is Dr. Kevin Borup, the Associate Director of the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. All right. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.